to another episode of Generic Conversations, and should I add, one of the last episodes for season one of this show. I am your host, Jen Amos. Generic is a combination of my name, Jen, and the word generic. And I use the word generic, which is defined as the characteristic of or relating to a class or group of things, because my intention for the show is to engage in relatable conversations with universal lessons from everyday individuals that I hope will have you say that I needed this. As I mentioned, this is going to be one of the last episodes of Generic Conversations for season one, and so I'm already feeling nostalgic. I have had so many incredible conversations with so many individuals so far, and I have learned so much about them, the world, and most of all, myself along the way. In the off-season, I would love to hear from you hear about what you enjoyed about this show and what you hope to see in season two. You can contact me on my website, genericpodcast.com. Remember that's generic with a J. And yeah, I'd love to hear from you and hear about what you loved about the show and maybe who you want me to interview for season two. So with that said, I'm really excited to get into today's conversation, but before I do, I do want to share one announcement. If you have been listening to the recent episodes, I have been formulating a mastermind group and I now have a strategy that I am testing out. So listen up. If you are starting a new project or a business and you're overwhelmed with how to get started or you're struggling to keep up in an environment that feels like it's constantly changing, then do I have a strategy for you. I am currently seeking out five to 10 brave and overwhelmed souls who are looking to get organized with or reorganize their priorities. Because this is new and I am testing it out, I am offering a free 30 minute consultation. So if you are what I had mentioned, someone who is looking to get organized or get reorganized with their priorities, and you wanna take advantage of that 30 minute consultation, check out the show notes of this episode or visit genericpodcast.com. All right, with that said, I am really excited to get into this wonderful conversation I had with the blind blogger, Maxwell Ivy. And in this conversation, you'll be thinking about the importance of showing up anyway, instead of waiting to be perfect, why you should share your story, and the difference between traditional radio and podcasting. Maxwell, it was an absolute pleasure having you on the show, and I know my listeners will really appreciate our conversation today. All right, enjoy. All right. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Generic Conversations. I'm your host, Jen Amos, and I'm very fortunate to be running the show and have candid conversations with amazing individuals in hopes that you'll say, I needed this. I needed to hear this. I needed that. However you want to say it, that's what I hope that you're able to take away from these conversations that I have. For today's conversation, I'm really fortunate to be having it with Maxwell Ivy. So Maxwell Ivy is internationally known as a blind blogger. He is completely blind. 
yet has transformed himself from a failed carnival owner to a respected equipment broker who now inspires others to take action. He is an award-winning author of three self-help novels with a fourth one on the way. And also, I hear he is a hilarious motivational speaker, online media publicist, prolific podcast guest, solo traveler, singer, and host of the podcast show, What Is Your Excuse? Max, welcome to the show. Thank you, Jen. I appreciate you having me on the show. But I was thinking as you were introducing your show, you said you want them to say I needed that. My, with my podcast, my goal is I want them to think about me and my guest. And at the end of the show, I want them to go, well, if that person can do it, then what the heck is my excuse? Mm, love that. Love it. Yeah, no, I think it's great. It sounds like we have similar goals, you know, to have conversations with people to the point where the listener is going to take some kind of action. Exactly. And I think we allow ourselves to have fun with our podcast because our niche, our niche, to use the big kids word, <laughs> is not so narrow that we have to struggle to find great people to have conversations with. Yeah, I completely agree with you because I have two other podcast shows where it's very niche. And the common theme I have found in those shows is very similar to why I decided to start this podcast, which I just enjoy having candid conversations with anyone and everyone, because I find in those conversations, we can find universal lessons that everyone can relate to. So, you know, hence generic conversations with a J for my name, Jen, but it's really just saying, hey, I'm having everyday conversations. And I hope through that experience, through what you're listening to, you're going to find that golden nugget for you to be like, you know what? I needed that. I'm going to apply that to my life today. Or I'm going yeah. to make an effort to look at my life a little more positively, you know? Yeah, I agree with that. And I actually was drawn to the fact that you chose to use the word generic, even if it's spelled differently. But I was going off of my screen reader, which I was assuming was using a G instead of a J. So I thought it was the regular word generic. <laughs> but I was actually drawn to it because you know how words get in our heads and we either feel like we have to use them or we can't use them. And some of my favorite words are crazy, weird. Those are words that have negative connotations for a lot of people, but for those of us who are doing things that are hard, unusual, things maybe we never saw ourselves doing be before we got started, those are very positive words to us. So I love how you've taken the word generic, even if it is got a J in it, and turning it into a, a more positive expression of what you're trying to do with your podcast. I think that showed great courage. Well, thanks, Max. I appreciate you saying that. And I did not come up with it alone. I had the fortune of, you know, speaking to business mentors and running it by my husband and say, hey, what do you think about this? And running it by my friends. And, you know, there was a time where I wanted to have the show focus on other things like, you know, like being motivational or focus on like, how do you overcome, you know, whatever hump you're going through right now. And I just thought, you know, I'm not always going to need those types of conversations. I think you eventually get to the point, at least for me, where I'm like, okay, I'm motivated. Let me do something, you know? And I also didn't want to restrict the types of conversations I had on the show because I just enjoyed talking to people. So yeah, hence generic conversation. It was very well thought out. And so I appreciate your feedback on that. And I have to give credit to just the community <laughs> that has helped me, you know, really just run with this name. Right. And you know, you mentioned earlier, we have some similar things in common. And our names are in common because I didn't choose the blind blogger. I didn't choose what your excuse for my other website, the Midway Marketplace. I didn't even choose Mr. Midway. These are names that people in my community gave to me. Mm -hmm. And in every case had to convince me that they were great names and I was stupid or wrong or <laughs> just, just needed to be convinced of how right they were. Let's look at it that way. That's the blind funny. blogger, the blind blogger, I actually lost some friends over the blind blogger because when I called, started calling myself that six years ago, 
it was before you saw a lot of people openly embracing their disabilities mm. in their website names or their social media profiles. And at that time, a lot of people thought, Max, you know, you're too good an author. You're too good a, blog a blogger. Your story is too great. You don't need the crutch of telling people you're the blind blogger. But I didn't choose the name. People online, primarily on LinkedIn and a couple of groups that I was in for bloggers, mm -hmm. they had been trying to convince me to start sharing my story more. And when I told them I was finally going to do it, they said, you know, Max, we've been calling you the blind blogger for a couple of years now as a way of shorthand because you are the only blind person we know that has a blog. And really, you need to see if that's available. If it is, you need to go for it. And I was actually relieved when I found out that the blindblogger.com was taken. But, you know, they continued to wear me down. So I decided to go <laughs> with the net. And it's been great. You know, if, even though there are a lot more blind bloggers and podcasters now that have larger audiences, if you Google blind blogger, you're still going to find more results for me than anybody else. Mm -hmm. And I think that was an amazing gift, a blessing from people who knew better than I did, people in my community. And that's, you know, it's just a, both of our stories are proof that you have to start as soon as you can to yeah. start building that community, not only of a wide, you know, fan type community, but also that closer, more intimate, more connected circle of online and in-person friends. We have to have those communities or we can't sustain this until we get, until we get pretty good at it. Yeah, absolutely, Max. I was just thinking in everything you just said that by nature, we're tribal. You know, by nature, we need each other. And I think for myself, I had really struggled with that concept for a very long time. And it's really in the last handful of years where I've decided to be in community with people. And in that process, you find that you don't have to work as hard. You know, you don't have to like do your own research because you have people like you mentioned telling you, Max, you got to go with being the blind blogger. And when you hear that enough, like you're just like, okay, I guess I got to do it. And you're looking back, you're like, man, why didn't I listen to them sooner? <laughs> yes. Yeah. And that is so true. And and it goes even further than that with me because the whole idea of being someone who can inspire others was something I fought against. Eventually, my very close personal friend that I've met in person and online, Adrian Smith, who I like to refer to as my blogging bomb because she taught me everything I know about blog commenting and relationship building online. And she said, you know, Max, the reason that your story is compelling, the reason why you're inspirational is you have a built-in reason, excuse, your disability would mean that if you decided to sit on your couch, watch TV and eat junk food, nobody would say the first word about it. The fact mm. that you have an excuse and don't use it and continue to show up every day and take on difficult challenges is what makes you inspiring, especially when there's this huge audience out there of people who don't have really anything standing in their way other than the decision to take action and actually doing something. Yep. You know, people that are sleepwalking through their days comfortable where they are because they're afraid things could get worse if they tried something new. Those people, they look at me and they're like, that guy has a built-in excuse and he's doing all this stuff. <laughs> then, you know, if I hadn't had these great people online and Adrian is more in that, in that close circle as opposed to the big fan, although she falls in both groups because she supports her, she supports Team Ivy really well. But mm -hmm. if it hadn't been for that, I would still be solely focused on selling used carnival rides and amusement park equipment instead of the writing the books and speaking and sharing my story. And who knows how many people I have encouraged or uplifted or at least entertained for a while to help them through a bad spot in their life while maybe they're trying to get to that point where they can take some sort of action. 
wouldn't have happened without my community. Yeah, absolutely, Max. I was thinking about, you know, the reason why I think you're very inspirational is because people can see physically that you could have a past. You could be like, yeah, I don't need to do anything because I'm blind. And I think it's just a reminder for people who may not have a physical, like something physical where they can just say, yeah, I can't do it because of this physical thing. I think in seeing you, they realize in themselves that what's holding them back is actually mental. And in that they could be like, Hey, if it's just in my head, I can just switch it and actually do something about it. And I think that's what is inspirational about you is reminding people like, Hey, like you don't have this, but you know, because I have it, I'm still doing it anyway. And so like your podcast show, what's your excuse? And I think to me, that question is like, what is your mental excuse? Because I can imagine, and I'm sure you have a lot of fans who may have disabilities, but for those who don't have the, you know, the physical disabilities, they really have to ask themselves, what is my excuse? Yes, that is so true. And I did a show with a couple of fellows from Detroit several years ago, and they said, you know, Max, you have physical blindness. But the world, there's so many people trapped in their current existences because they have some other type of blindness that can't be found with an eye test. Right, right. They have a blindness to their abilities, to their capabilities. They have a blindness to the impact that they could be making on the world, which is why one of the things I really want people to do is please don't wait until you think your story is good enough to start sharing it. Right. I personally didn't know any better. I, once I decided that I was inspirational, I started reaching out to people to be on their podcasts and to speak at their events. And I'm like, I didn't really know any better that I wasn't supposed to be doing that or they weren't supposed to be saying yes. You know, it just, yeah. it just happened that way. Yeah, absolutely. Another thing I want to add in just your talk about your community encouraging you to, you know, call yourself the blind blogger is maybe back then it made a lot of like there were certain things that were taboo, like you had to be polished, you had to present yourself in a certain way. But now I feel like there's this whole movement of like diversity is cool. Diversity is in, you know, and so people are really celebrating what they consider, you know, I think in their mind half of the time, what their physical disability is or their mental disability is and really just showing up as they are. I'm curious to know, because you did mention like, oh, six years ago, you know, this probably wouldn't have worked out. Do you feel like the landscape has shifted and that people are really embracing how, let's say, multifaceted they are I mean, really embrace? you know, their disabilities or what they perceive as their flaws? Yes. When I started six years ago, I can't honestly remember the name of anyone who had a emoji in their social media profile or part of their profile text that said anything about a disability, whether that be blindness, paraplegia, deaf, or the less obvious ones like autism, bipolar, mm. mental illness. And now you see those all over the place. But the thing people really need to know about Max is, is that when I started, there may have been more of an emphasis on being polished, but I knew that I wasn't capable of polished. So I just did it the best way I could do it at the time. And I have this the story about my podcast that I think really makes the point very clearly for people that you don't have to be perfect. You just have to show up. When I started recording videos of me interviewing people, five, six years ago. Mm. And just what in the last year, I found out, okay, I used to record my episodes using my laptop camera. Mm -hmm. And I would sit with the laptop on my lap. So the camera was looking up at me. 
I recorded five years of podcasts, both mine and interviews on other people's shows with a horrible camera angle because I was told people were looking up my nose and sometimes they were looking at nose hair and sometimes if maybe I didn't shave really good that day. That's and nobody ever told me I would ask hosts, hey, how do I look? Am I in focus? Is there everything good for us to record? And they would say, yeah, I even did one podcast where I just show up 30 minutes early so they could do a light and sound check. And they didn't say nothing about it either. It was only a year ago when a good friend of mine named Stacy Greenberg, who is an interior designer, and who my lack of visual appeal because of this camera angle was hurting on a personal level. It was, mm. it was just hurting her inside because, you know, that's her thing. And she finally said, you know, Max, people are still watching, but this is very distracting from you and your guests. <laughs> and if you could find a way to fix this, it would really improve the experience of the people watching this on YouTube or Facebook. And so mm -hmm. I did. My, we went out and got an external camera. We figured out how to set it up so that I could pretty much know that it's in the right place every time I go to record. Mm. But think about this. I recorded with horrible video for five years. I built mm -hmm. my brand as the blind blogger. I've got people all over the world that have followed me, have been affected by me, have many of whom have had me on their podcasts or let me write mm -hmm. for their blogs. Mm -hmm. And all of that happened with a hideous camera. I mean, so I was definitely not polished or perfect or anywhere close I just decided to go ahead and do it and the best part for me it was actually an advantage of my blindness is I didn't know that I was doing it that poorly I was just focusing mm. on the interviews and posting the content and trying to get as many people to watch or listen as possible so I think that a lot of times we just have to I mean sometimes you may just have to put on some blinders of your own to allow you to publish a podcast or release a book or give a public speech because we all have this perfect image in our heads. Some of us are better than others at getting past perfectionism and just doing it as good as they can do it right now and figuring they'll do right. it better later. But, you know, to me, I like to share that because I don't want people thinking that the current Max Ivy is who he always was and that they have right. to be even as good as me because, trust me, there are people lots better at this than I am. I just continue to show up and do the work and been blessed to get some help from great people along the way who have pointed out when th things when, when they were wrong. Another thing that I mentioned to you before we started is when I first started doing public speaking, I was going around with long hair down on my shoulders that was gray <laughs> and silver with eyebrows that needed a trim and a black denim shirt like something you'd wear in the winter and tennis shoes. I mean, I was not well put together at all to go out in public. But people still listen. And so, and yeah. I share these things because I want people to know you don't have to be anywhere close to perfect. You just have to share your story. Yeah, absolutely. I think just to add upon what you said, my greatest takeaway is that the message is more important than the quality of how you distribute it. And I think that when you speak your message long enough and consistently enough, there's a community that starts to build around that message. And in that, your community that has, you know, that's behind your message, they provide a lot of grace to however you deliver it, you know? And I think about just the other shows that I had the fortune of starting last year. And just like what you said, I just did it unapologetically. I just kept showing up. I just kept doing it. And it's amazing now when my co-host and I on my other show get asked to 
be interviewed for these media outlets, sometimes they're in awe of talking to us. And it's like, we're just regular everyday people that just focused on our message and we're just consistent you know, and, and all of a sudden we're getting all this traction because of this community. So that's my greatest takeaway from what you have just shared. Right. Well, I need to get on my community because they're not having media outlets contact me. So I need, <laughs> I need to, I need to, to let them know that Team Ivy needs to be put in contact with, uh, with Oprah or Ellen or CBS or NBC or Sirius or BBC, just any of those, any of those big dogs that have three or more letters in their name, y'all just, you know, y'all need to get on that, people. <laughs> no, that's really funny. And, you know, I think for us, it's not like I'm on, I mean, we did uh, a couple years ago, I was, we were featured, we had like a tiny 30 second snippet on a local TV channel, like a news channel. So that was like really cool. That was probably like the peak of our, you know, exposure for our show. But other than that, I, at least for me and my co-host, I, I'm just very open to any media outlet, you know, even if they're independent media outlets, like the smaller ones, yes. because it's like, yes. because, you know, chances are like they target our particular niche market. And, you know, I'm not really looking for quantity of listeners. I'm looking for the quality of listeners. I'm looking to impact and inspire people. Even if it's like, honestly, I, I was even saying at the beginning when I started generic conversations, like I even said out loud and, and I think in my trailer episode that if I'm the only one listening to the show, so be it because I get to get all of these <laughs> valuable, you know, insights and golden nuggets from my guest. And of course, if it helps even just one person, like I'm happy about that, but it needs to help me first. <laughs> you know, that, that's what I tell myself. And I think that's yeah. how I can endure, you know, doing podcasting, even at times when it seems like I'm not receiving any feedback or any responses, though that hasn't been the issue in really since I started. So I've been very fortunate in that sense. Right. And you just said like three or four different things that I don't know if I said them and you reset them or what. But I mean, you know, you talked about how it's not about the numbers of people. It's about the, the quality of the people. And that's one of the things I've definitely learned as a podcast guest over the years. I have gotten more actual connection with people and that have translated into new clients or sales of my books mm -hmm. from shows that were brand new, only had a few episodes or, you know, said they had a few hundred downloads a month as a show audience was 50,000 or 200,000. I've even done a couple of shows where they claimed over a million people were listening to me. And mm -hmm. those huge numbers never, really never did translate into huge traffic. Mm -hmm. Another thing is, is when you do bigger programs, whether they're local or national, you generally don't get the same amount of time to talk to the audience as you do on a podcast, which is one of the reasons right. why I keep, keep doing them so much. Right. You get eight to 13 minutes on most television shows. That's where you get eight to 13 minutes. And most people just aren't set up to convert those, those viewers into actual followers and, and future customers because it's just not something where most of us do or are good at. I don't know that I would even be good at it if I was to be featured on a big show. And then the other thing is, is I know people who have been on some of the bigger shows and it was like, we did that. We thought we were going to have this huge influx of traffic and it didn't happen. Mm -hmm. So I prefer doing podcasts and a podcast host that I'm working with on a presentation that I'm hoping to go virtual with in a few weeks for music and meditation, where I'm going to sing some songs and tell some stories and teach some life lessons. He says, you know, Max, I don't think you'd be great on TV. He said, because we talked for an hour and there was still so much about your story that I wanted to ask you about. It's not over. Yes. He said, you know, he said, if you try to tell your story in 14 minutes, he said, that's not going to end well. 
yeah, it just, it just wouldn't cover all that you are <laughs> and everything. But I, I really appreciate like you, you know, advocating, you know, for podcasting because it's, I think it's the ultimate equalizer. I think anyone can do it. I think there are plenty of tools, countless of tools available, even free tools you know, nowadays to get started. And if not starting a podcast show, finding the right communities to be a guest on other people's shows. Like I can't tell you, I think I'm part of, I think seven or eight different podcast communities where people are constantly (laughs) asking like, Hey, I'm looking for someone, you know, to speak on my show. Is that you, you know, reach out to me. And so I just, uh, that's one thing I have found in the community as well is just how supportive everyone is in helping one another get, get that exposure. Yes, I have often said to podcast hosts that if everybody knew how supportive and uplifting and helpful the online community is, everybody would have a blog or a podcast or both. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. If, only, if only they knew. That actually just brings me back to a conversation I had with a local person here a couple of weeks ago that actually like shook me because I think he had been involved in traditional media in the past. And, you know, he's fairly more experienced and has a longer resume than I do. And I did a presentation for this group about the benefits of podcasting. And he was really grilling me on the credibility or really the validity of podcasting. And in the end, I just had to say to him, you know, podcasting is not for everyone. It sounds like it's not for you. And that's completely okay. But in my mind, I think like that's so unfortunate because if you knew what the community was like, you know, just like what you said, you would start a podcast show, you would get involved, like you would be doing this. Yeah, absolutely. And I find that that people who have been in traditional radio a long time have a real problem understanding even the way that podcasters think about their world. I mean, I've gotten into some very heated exchanges online with mm-hmm. longtime radio people over the fact that my podcast actually has a couple of sponsors, even though in their mind, a show has to have thousands or millions of downloads or listens mm-hmm. and a huge social media profile before you should start taking anybody's money, you know, but mm-hmm. I've been lucky enough to find a couple of people who wanted to invest in themselves and invest in my show. And they kind of see the having me mention their service or their product on my podcast, they kind of see that as like a side benefit of just them investing in themselves and investing in me and my story. So yeah, yeah, uh, absolutely. It's it's just a real different way of thinking about things between people that have a long history in radio versus podcasters. And I do definitely believe in podcasting as a host or as a guest or both to promote your brand. It gives you a way of connecting with people that you just don't get any other way that I know of. There's three things I like to tell people about being a podcast guest. One, you get to have intimate conversations with people who either get you or will spend the time to figure out who you are so that they Mm -hmm. can have this conversation. Mm -hmm. Two, having these talks is fun. It is energizing. It is nothing like social media or email list building or paid ads or any of that other junk that we do to promote (laughs) ourselves. And three, if you're doing it right, you're building a relationship every time you do an interview and you can later on, the host can come back to you or you can come back to the host. And in my online audio course, I even refer to it as the McDonald's when I tell people, yeah, when you get through doing the podcast, make sure you ask them if they want fries with that. (laughs) 
you know, make sure you ask the host, nice. make sure you ask the host if they've got a book project or, or a virtual conference or if they have a blog that maybe they need a guest post for. Be sure to ask them if they want that hot apple pie, you know? <laughs> oh, do I love that hot apple pie, by the way? Like, it's not always, I don't think it's always the healthiest thing, but like, oh my goodness. And especially since they have like the two for one deal, it's like, I will take two and I'll eat the other one later. <laughs> I will take it. Yes. In Texas, we have a chain called Whataburger. And mm -hmm. for the longest time, their thing wasn't the hot apple pie. It was the hot cinnamon roll. And mm -hmm. they would ask you, would you like a little butter on the cinnamon roll? So you would get this, you know, this hot piping, you know, gooey cinnamon roll with butter on it. It was like, yeah, can I get two? But with podcasting, you know, you've spent 30 minutes or an hour talking with this person. You've shared things with them. They've shared things with you. You've both had aha moments if you're doing it right. Yeah. And that builds friendships that can lead to other opportunities down the road. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Max, wow. I love where this conversation went. You know, like even though I always like to have like an agenda, I, I don't always follow it because you just, you know, when we initially get started talking, there's these topics that come up and these lessons that already come up. And I really love that we just had this whole conversation about podcasting because yes. even lately with the sponsors for my show at Generic Conversations, it's really podcasting resources because I get asked so often, you know, Jen, how did you start a podcast? What web hosting service do you use, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Yes. So what I do want to get into now, Max, is a resource that you wanted to share with us, which I really feel like aligns <laughs> with everything we've been talking about at this point. And that is your podcast guest training. Can you tell us a little bit about it, why you started it? And yeah, and we'll go from there. You know, I'm really impressed with myself today because you know how they say sometimes people who coach or teach are not all that great at it themselves. <laughs> I'm great at doing the pitching and I have wonderful conversations and I promote the conversation. But the one thing I have to really work on is making sure I get something in from my life that people will know about so that they can find out about it and maybe consider purchasing it or hiring me. And I often forget doing that. And it's really <laughs> bad. I, I did a I did a talk last year where somebody from the audience had to remind me to mention my books at the end of my talk at this conference. So <laughs> I love it. an author should never have to be reminded of their books, just like, yeah. you know, a teacher should not have to be reminded of their course. But, you know, I started out doing podcast interviews because I didn't have a way to get from here to there in the suburbs of Houston and being blind. Mm -hmm. So I started doing them. I found out I liked them. First people said, Max, we love all these interviews you're getting. It's great. Then they were like, Max, how do you get all these interviews? And I would write them these long emails and tell them how I get all these interviews. Then they would be like, well, Max, that's too much work. Can you get them for me? And I'm like, sure, we can work on that too. Yeah. But I recently realized that with Corona and with all the people at home, many of whom are seeing podcasts for the first time yep, yep. and thinking, you know, I, I should be sharing my story and promoting my business, but maybe they're afraid of the process. Maybe they don't, need, mm -hmm. don't know what they need to do first and next, just like you were talking about with, with mm -hmm. starting a podcast as I was. So I thought, okay, I'll create a program. And so first what I do is I get to help them get clear on their story and how to tell it more effectively because hosts don't book people, products, or services. They book your story. So that's mm. the very first thing we got to get straight is, you know, we have to have a story that's compelling based on your facts and your circumstances and then, you know, show you the, the way to tell it effectively, especially in the pitch stage. And then from there we do three question and answer sessions where I do my best to ask them the questions that hosts are probably going to ask them based on their story and based on what niche they happen to be in. After that, I invite them on my podcast, the What's Your Excuse show, mm. so that we give them one full-length interview 
that we know is going to be a good interview because people keep telling me I'm a great host and interviewer and I'm going to choose to believe them. <laughs> so they didn't have one good interview that they can use to point people to that's mm. recent. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then after that, I booked them on four podcasts. I coached them before and after each interview. I promote their interviews on social media and to my email list. And at the end of the eight weeks, they should be ready to go out and do this on their own, including you know, me showing them how they find the show opportunities. They should be able to do it on their own, but if they don't want to, then we can transition them into my service where I do the work of getting them the bookings wow. and we go from there. But I, I really feel like it's an interactive course. It's being taught by a guy who has seven years experience, has been on over 200 podcasts as a guest, mm. has recorded probably 100 episodes as a host. And I think being on both sides of the mic really helps me when it comes to teaching people how to be great guests. And the bottom line is I enjoy storytellers. I enjoy stories just as much as you do. But I really enjoy helping somebody understand the power of their story and become comfortable telling it to the point that they can then go out and change the world by getting people to take action. Max, that is absolutely wonderful. And I appreciate the good work that you're doing. And to add upon what you said, one thing I realized in my podcasting journey, which I started talking about on other people's shows, is that you have to understand that sharing your story is actually not selfish. It's actually selfless because you just never know. I think some people think, oh, well, you know, first of all, they think they don't have a story. And then they think like maybe it's self-centered to share their story. But when you realize that you can serve someone just by sharing your story and you do, you actually do, you know, you get the responses. You're like, oh my gosh, I need to do this more often and I need to get better at it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, That is so true. And the thing I run into more often than not is people who will tell me other people's stories are better than mine. And so, (laughs) and and so then I have to explain to them that, you know, that, it really, your story is different. It's unique. Plus, yeah. you're going to tell it in a voice that's different than other people's. So you Absolutely. may resonate with somebody else does. But here's the thing. Once upon a time, I didn't believe my story was good enough. I would see uh, interviews from people like Eric Wehmeyer, who's a blind guy that's climbed Mount Everest. And mm, wow. Rachel Skandoris, who's raced the Iditarod. And my friend David over in the UK that's, that's skydived. You know, these... Mm-hmm. The people that I've followed online, I'm like, their story is better than mine. But I eventually got to the point where I'm like, no, their story is different than mine. We're at different places on our journey. Mm-hmm. They just happen to have started theirs a little quicker than I did. And they're in a different part of the world. So we're progressing. But the important thing is, if you wait until you think your story is good enough, you will never tell it. And we will, we will all having the world of encouragement, inspiration, uplifting stories that they need, absolutely need to hear. Yeah. And one more thing I want to add upon that is that sometimes people feel like they have to be very polished in sharing their story. And so there's a quote that had really resonated with me some time ago that I tend to repeat almost all the time. And it goes, the only way to find your voice is to use it. And I have found that podcasting, especially if you host your own show, you learn to find your voice just by asking people the right questions and then inserting yourself when you feel like you can relate to whatever story they're sharing. Yeah. And the story only gets better in the telling, I believe is an expression that I like to remember. Fantastic. Uh, Yeah. And I grew up with some great storytellers in the carnival business. One of the things you do when, when the business isn't going the way you would hope it would go is people tell stories. So I've Mm. been around it all my life. I appreciate storytellers. But it is amazing the different roadblocks people will put up for themselves to keep them from sharing their stories. And 
I guarantee you, if y'all were to go back and look at some of the interviews I did in 2013 and 14 when I was just starting, and then look at the interviews I'm doing lately, especially in the last few weeks, because I've really been on a, a row of connecting with hosts even beyond what I usually expect. And you would definitely see a difference in mm -hmm. the amount of information I share, the, the more vulnerable things that I share that I wouldn't have shared. It's just you get better at it the more you do it. It's just like anything yeah. else. They say writers have to write, you know, performers have to sing and storytellers we have to tell our stories and the more we tell them, the better we're going to get at them, the more comfortable we're going to get. And the really cool thing is the more you tell your story, the more people are going, that are going to want to hear you tell mm -hmm. your stories. And here's a secret I recently found. They will want to hear you tell your stories, even if they've heard you tell them before. Yep. That is yep. the cool thing. Very true. Very true. I remember one more thing I want to add before we close up. I just remember there was someone I looked up to like early on in my uh, sales career where like they looked like me, you know, and yeah. they were more successful than me. And every time they shared their story, I almost memorized their story. Like every time they would tell it, they, I, I almost like, and I would tell it on behalf of them. I'd be like, oh, you know, there's this person and he's done this and that. And I believe you, you know, I completely agree is that sometimes like when you find the right story, like just like how you find like if you find the right song you're going to play it on repeat you're going to want to hear it again and, and it's really up to you as the aspiring storyteller i mean everyone has a story within them so it's up to you to you know know that your story matters and hone in on sharing your story and tell it often i, I agree with you i recently heard a line from concert promoter i don't know which one who said this but it's a great line he said nobody goes to a kiss concert or hear them perform their new stuff <laughs> Yeah, no, for sure. It's like Backstreet Boys for my generation, for my millennial generation of, you know, like they're still performing, but no one wants to hear their new stuff. They just want to go back to like the, the stuff they heard and, you know, back in the 90s, 90s yeah. and like early 2000s. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, hey, Max, it was an absolute pleasure speaking with you today. And I didn't actually mention this, but if anyone to our listeners that you want to learn more about his podcast guest training, you can visit his website, theblindblogger.net forward slash eight weeks. That's the number eight. So again, that's blindblogger.net forward slash eight weeks. And I will have that in the show notes for you if you want to learn more, as well as all the other social media links, Max, that you have provided me. I'll provide that in the show notes. But with that said, Max, it's been an absolute pleasure having this conversation with you today. Thank you so much for being here. Well, thank you so much for having me on. Even though you have three podcasts and are a professional, I never like to finish a show without telling the host, I understand that you put a lot of time, effort, money, and passion into putting these shows on. And without you, there wouldn't have been opportunities for me to tell my story. So without you and people like you, there would be no The Blind Blogger. Just to let you know how much I appreciate what you're doing. Thank you. I absolutely really appreciate that. And, you know, from one host to another, I think it's great to acknowledge like the work that gets put behind all this stuff. So thank you so much for saying that. Sure. All right. And to our listeners, thank you so much for joining us today. We hope that you had received one piece of information or story today that had you say, I needed this. With that said, we hope that you have a wonderful weekend and we look forward to speaking with you in the next episode. Tune in next time.